today on the wrestling podcast about nothing, we are unearthing the most unheralded wrestling talent in New England. It's time to shine a light on the hidden gems of New England indie wrestling. Jeez, Mike, I mean, I'm on the podcast every week. We're going to do a whole episode on me? <sighs> well, we are going to talk about you kissing up to brother love. <laughs> Plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 131, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me here, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now he is a Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. Well, you know, it's the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Hello, Michael. How are you? It's good to see you here in person once again. It's good to see you not in sweatpants for a change. Well, <laughs> I was until about an hour ago. Oh, you classed it up to come to my place. Is that because you didn't want me to comment on your sweatpants again? Well, no, it's that the uh, the little guy threw up on them, so <laughs> so I had to change it. I was forced. You only have one pair of sweatpants? Well, kind of. What are you working with? One pair of sweatpants, one pair of jeans, <laughs> one pair of dress pants? <laughs> one pair of shoes? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bare minimum. It's all going towards the kids' wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, they grow all that shit fast, man. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. Uh, hey, the good news is Michael grows out of his stuff so fast, uh, my, my son Michael, that uh, I probably have sizes ranging for your little guys. Well, I mean, Michael's only, uh, he's going to be three here. But the if your son follows a normal trajectory of growth, you'll have like six years worth of clothes because Michael wears like five T already and he's three. <laughs> well, my little one is uh, wearing six month clothes and he just turned three months. So, oh brother, he's on your eating plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of eating, you had your fix of Kowloon today, did you not? I sure did. And you shared a photo with me. I think it's up on Twitter now on your Twitter at Brian Malonis. It is. Where you were uh, glad-handing with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson today at Kowloon in Saugus, Massachusetts. I was. For the live Something to Wrestle With show. Yes. And I got these two guys staring me in the face here. You have an I got a autographed lovely, photo. Lovely autographed photo. Yeah, so I, I purchased tickets, um, I don't know, a while back. Purchased tickets? Couldn't get a comp? Well, no, no, I had to purchase tickets. I don't expect anything for free. But then uh, last night, this being Saturday night, uh, I received a lovely message from Andy Wong, and he hooked me up with the VIP experience. Very, very nice of him. Andy is always very good to uh, all the wrestlers and um, just a good dude, uh, and I appreciate his support. And that was that was really nice of him and truly appreciated it. So it was cool to get to meet those fellas and take in the show today. So it was awkward, uh, you know, your brethren – your equals in the podcasting game to have to pay to say hello. Yeah, my equals in the podcasting <laughs> game. All right. No, but I did. I did tell. Uh, I did tell Conrad he needs to book me for the next Starcast. So. Hmm. <laughs> Weaseling my way. Uh, did you get to book him on this show? No, I didn't ask him to come on this show. Why would he come on this show? Because he goes on a lot of shows, actually. Oh, does he really? Yeah. 
Oh, maybe I'll ask him next time. Well, maybe more uh, around what Starcast was happening. I, d- I did tell him if he ever comes to a Ring of Honor show, then I'd, I'd love to have a beer with him. Oh, excuse me. And you'd probably give him a freebie, right? Yeah, I'd buy him a beer. Well, I'm talking about a free ticket to the show. I'm, I'm sure he has no problem getting a free ticket to any Ring of Honor show he wants. I, th- I think he might, you know, might, have might, might know a couple people slightly more important than me there. All right. That's, that's a good point. Uh, so how was the event? Podcasting live. Well, it wasn't actually a podcast. I don't know if they even record it, but they have a, a live event for the podcast. What was the experience like overall? I've never been to one. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was really fun. I mean, I don't think there was anything like earth shattering shared. What uh, What do you mean? They say <laughs> that you, they only say things they can't say on the podcast. Well, there, there. there was there was stories that, that they can't tell on the podcast there, and uh, out of respect for them, I, I won't share the stories in oh, full. But no spoilers. You, we did, huh? did did get the Andre Blumpkin story. Oh, <laughs> Usually, have special guests. Who was there? Was there anybody there? No, there was no special. No, sp- no special guests this time. No. Well, Conrad just got back from his honey. Like he left his honey. Flew home from his honeymoon, like to Boston, to do the show. Really? Yeah. Was so. the missus there? I don't think so. No, I didn't see her. But no, no, I know she wasn't because I. So we saw Conrad pull up in his Uber. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Were there any luminaries there that you saw? There were many, many, <laughs> many luminaries. Many luminaries. Uh, the host of the of the day, the, uh, the who opened the show and introduced them, and then uh, did the questioning was one Dan Marotti. So what? <laughs> yeah, yep, Dan Marotti, the man behind BostonWrestling.com, the old uh, Millennium Wrestling Federation as well. Yes, your old boss, the man who called you the Executioner. Yes, <laughs> that Dan Marotti. How? What? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't know how these things come about, but it was a really fun afternoon. Hanging with the Playboy, hanging with uh, the Sure Thing, Mark Sherman, and hanging with a listener of this podcast, Stephen. Got to got to hang out with Stephen, talk with Stephen, take in the uh, show and some and some lunch with him while we watched. And uh, he hung with he hung with me and the Playboy. I, I I brought some food home for the family. So oh, that's nice of you. Yeah. So Stephen hung out with me there. So thanks, Stephen. Really fun to catch up with you. I heard Stephen's dad is also uh, on the road to recovery oh, good, too. Good. So all good news there. Sherman is Sherman. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's, <laughs> that's about it. it. Okay. That's about. And uh, I saw an old old friend of yours. I didn't I didn't get to actually say hi to him, but I saw him from a distance. Tony Roy. Tony Roy, the very popular Tony Roy. Former WWE enhancement talent. Yes. You being one of Roy's boys. I am one of Roy's boys, one of the originals. And you also mentioned to me that you saw Connor. Okay, Fabe. I did, yeah. I did. I ran into Connor. Uh, we talked. We chatted for uh, a few minutes, and uh, gonna set up something soon, maybe to go back and uh, talk to him on his his podcast. And I said, maybe, maybe we can figure out something to have him back on ours. Yeah, he's doing a uh, fight TV now. He has a yeah. show exclusively on fight TV. Yeah, he told me that. So he said he wants to hook up something and uh, get on. I saw I saw Sarge from ninety eight five. Caught up with him. Wow. So, yeah. Mingling with all the uh, special people out there. Well, people, I think I'm a special person. I think people want to mingle with me. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> I took a picture with a couple fans, you know? like Really? I'm a big deal, Mike. Did you charge him 40 bucks? No, I'm a nice oh, guy. Okay, that's, that's very nice. 25. <laughs> so you were on the road last week on the podcast. We weren't in the same place at the same time, but you brought us kind of behind the scenes for Ring of Honor. You were... Uh, recording backstage at the ECW Arena with uh, a couple people, the most prominent of which I would say, well, it's the longest uh, segment of the show, was you and your tag team partner in the Bouncers, the uh, the Bruiser, the Beer City Bruiser. Yeah, we had actually just recorded something for TV and thought it was a good opportunity to sit down in, uh, in the afternoon there and 
put a little something together because you couldn't pull things together. So <laughs> it was a rough week last week. Kingpin. Oh, oh boy, all your sob stories. Remember when you had no sympathy for me when when you jerked me around on times and showed up late and you're, you you it's thirty minutes past the time you're gonna be here and you're telling me you're uh, you're just leaving and and you had no appreciation for when I would get frustrated because uh, of of family commitments or having the family and having to displace them to record this podcast. I remember a fella having no sympathy, so I'm reciprocating. No sympathy. No sympathy whatsoever. None. Zero. Zilch. Excuse you, me. You had none for me. You get none back. Wow. That's something else. <laughs> That's just the type of guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Also, we heard from uh, Todd Sinclair and Bobby Cruz. Yes. Todd serenaded Bobby a little bit. <laughs> yes, he did. And it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> then Bobby was angling to be my replacement on this podcast. Yes, he was. And uh, as a matter of fact, Mike, I mean, uh, I told you this week, I, I am now the proud owner of two tickets to game six of the world series and boy bobby jumped right in there before i even would have had a chance to ask you so jesus how'd that happen I, you know he, he, i don't know he's he's bobby uh, cruz yeah <laughs> it's bobby cruz <laughs> <laughs> and also special appearance by jay briscoe <laughs> yes yeah, he walked over i don't think quite think he knew what the hell we were doing i told him hey, we're doing a podcast and uh and, you know, I, I just I just put the phone right in his you know I was recording on my phone I put it right right in his face hey say hi so and then you didn't ask him to sit down and join you I I don't think Jay Briscoe would have sat down and joined us <laughs> we should feel lucky that he said hi um, those guys I don't think do a lot of things of that nature uh, so we were lucky just to get him to say hi all right well it was a good weekend it was a good podcast it came together kind of the last minute i was recording my part of the podcast i think after midnight sunday night into monday so it was actually monday <laughs> when i was recording monday's <laughs> podcast so unbelievable it got up around 3 a.m yeah. i tried to get a couple different people uh, I, ta- I talked to ian riccaboni and just the day kind of got away from us and then of course once you get close to showtime i'm not getting ian because ian is out there from First bell to last bell. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so when he know. comes back, he's probably running right to the bathroom. So you probably couldn't get him that either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, after the end, there's no way I was getting anybody at the end of the show. People are trying to get out of there. It's a long TV taping. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it was you know, it was it was what it was. We got a couple people. Uh. But hey, maybe I, I think people seem to enjoy it. So it's something maybe we can, uh, if not full episodes, you know, maybe whenever I go on the road or something, maybe you can grab snippets of interviews with different folks. I don't know. Tell yeah, us folks let us know what do you think yeah at the wpan on twitter at brian malonis let us know what you think of brian malonis uh, taking the microphone backstage and uh getting words from ring of honor superstars from any show that he ends up at yeah speaking of shows that you're at you were at uh, apw this past week you had the seminar earlier in the day how'd that go it was great uh we had i think i think we had 12 or 13 people there so it was nice it was it was really fun um Coach Hollow came and oh, really? uh, yeah helped out quite a bit. So it was really fun. It was really cool for me just to be able to to teach alongside him. You know, after yeah. after all these years, he's the guy that broke me in and gave me my start. And um, without him, I'm I'm, I'm not where uh, you know where I am today. And so it was really cool. I think just from a personal standpoint, to be able to teach alongside him and and then talk to him afterwards, get some feedback, and, and then just to catch up too. We caught up. We were able to catch up quite a bit and uh, talk about things I'm doing, what he's doing, you know, what his thoughts are, and kind of telling them some of my experiences that I, you know with ring of honor and, and whatnot and because yeah, you skipped out on the podcast we did with him together so. <laughs> i did yeah so it was good to it was good to catch up and, the, and then afterwards you know having him tell me i did a really nice job and he's 
happy to see me giving back and, and doing that sort of thing and, and really was uh, happy with, you know, the information that I put forth to uh, to the students. That was that was cool. That was cool to get his, you know, his seal of approval on that. So that, that meant a lot. So that was cool. So it's a little bit of the combination of today and yesterday in the seminar. And speaking of that, a couple weeks ago, doing a little Tony S. segue, that's old school, we had the today versus yesterday debate on this podcast. Oh, geez. Yeah. How did this one go? So, yes, we did the poll. I mentioned it last week on the podcast. And uh, 75% said the wrestling of the past, so I won the debate. <laughs> you sure did, Mike. How do you like that? But it must have hurt your heart to have your uh, the love of your life the man that you look up to like no other, Brian Fury, agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> it did a little bit. It stung. So I, li- I like that. The you know you, you have that victory, but there's a little bit of a negative uh, you know cloud hanging over it. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate. Are you offering me congratulations on my big win? Yes, congratulations. Okay, thank Michael. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and do you want to look like a million bucks, people out there? <laughs> Do you want to look like a billion bucks? I said you want to look like a billion bucks. Like 1.6 billion, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you get yourself a Mega Malonis t-shirt? It's all the rage. Yeah. Mega Millions. So here's the deal. You're not going to win Mega Millions. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're not going to win $1.6 billion, but you can get yourself a Mega Malonis t-shirt by going to brianmalonis.com and uh, picking one up there. So... Hey, when you're crying in your morning coffee because some rich old lady out in New Mexico won the uh, <laughs> won the won the Mega Millions, have no fear, have no fret. You yourself can also be a big winner with a Mega Malonis T-shirt. How's that for a sales pitch? Perfect. And plus, <laughs> you can also get the WPAN Curtain Jerker T-shirt there as well at BrianMalonis.com. And for more on the wrestling podcast about nothing, you can go to the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. That is our website. You can go there and find the ways to subscribe. You can listen right there through the webpage. Plus, there are photos of our careers, bios, so much more. Nudes. No nudes, Brian. No nudes. Why don't we have those up there yet? No. <laughs> I mean, they exist, right? <laughs> we we did that whole photo shoot. <laughs> Kramer did very tasteful photos with us. <laughs> Rawr. <laughs> right to the camera. <laughs> you want me to take my shirt off? I mean, I mean if you want to. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. So, yeah, go to the WPAN.com and also go to the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group that is on Facebook. Just put in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts, and we're talking about all wrestling podcasts. There are a lot uh, going on over there. Go and check that out and join the conversation, Putting Over Podcasts, the Facebook group. And, Brian, we're fans of New England wrestling. We've been uh, ingrained in the scene for many years now me maybe a few more years than you this is this is uh that that little ditty you just spun there was very reminiscent of the dirty shuffle uh <laughs> the dialogue <laughs> well, a little bit there but uh we have been around i mean i've been around i think i attended my first event i was trying to think whether it was 91 or 92 but one of the two so uh, i've been around new england wrestling for a very long time seen a lot of faces Seen a lot of wrestlers. I'm probably not that far behind you as far as just actually attending some some New England independent wrestling shows. So we've seen a lot of people come and go, and I thought today on the podcast we'd talk about the people that a lot of people might not know about, people that didn't make it to the big time, that didn't go into the big lights of 
WCW of the WWF slash WWE or even Ring of Honor and TNA, uh, Impact Wrestling, stuff like that. Guys who, for whatever reason, just ended up sticking around New England and we think they deserved a lot more. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it was, it was pretty easy. <laughs> you know, it was tougher to edit some people out than it was to not come up. But, you know, sometimes when we put lists together, sometimes you struggle a little bit. Like, yeah. But this this was, was pretty easy, and it was actually hard to narrow it down, I think, a little bit. Yeah. And I want to say, before even we get started, uh, the gap between the independents and WWE is a lot smaller nowadays than it used to be. It was just kind of so far out of your mind back in the in the nineties. It just seemed like it was such a leap to go from the independence, especially in New England, to the you know, the bright lights of WWE and national promotion. Because I've said this before that the internet was in its infancy, and so if you weren't talked about in the dirt sheets, if you weren't talked about in PWI was very influential in the early days when when I was around because that's where you got all the news from all over the United States, all over the world. And, and it seemed like they were pretty on the independents at least, they were pretty ingrained in like the Jersey, Delaware, right, Philadelphia scene. Yeah, cuz that's where they were based out of. They're based out of I, I think they're based out of either New York or Jersey. But yeah, so those guys got all the pub. Whenever you heard about independent wrestling, it was guys out of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware as well. They talked about the ECWA a lot. But New England was really uh, neglected for a very long time. I think it took basically the top prospect tournament to really start to shine a light on New England wrestling as a whole. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the timeline definitely lines up with that, I'd say, pretty, uh, pretty well. I mean, also too, though. I mean, the just the the amount of guys too that that came out of this area and started to get signed by WWE. I think also shed some light on the New England Indies. It sure did, and we will get into uh, some of the guys that we think were neglected in that realm. But let me start off. I started off going to Killer Kowalski's shows, the IWF, the International Wrestling Federation. Uh, it's not quite international. It's basically, you know. New England, Bellingham, Mass, <laughs> yeah, New, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, uh, a little bit of. I think I went to one of those in like Concord, New Hampshire, even. Yeah, like the Boys and Girls Club or something. All right, I don't think I made it to that one, but that might have been a little bit later. I met, I met King Kong Bundy for the first time there. There you go, Chris. <laughs> yeah, he did introduce himself as Chris, my friend Chris. <laughs> so when I started going to shows, uh, I said I said this before the main event, the first show I went to was. Superfly Jimmy Snuka versus Perry Saturn. How'd that match start? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> the standard Jimmy Snuka start, which is he turned his back in the corner and adjusts his knee pads, and the <laughs> heel attacks him from behind, which was basically you can count on that like you can count on uh, hip toss, hip toss, big slam from Tony Atlas. <laughs> and get his face stepped on. <laughs> That comes a little later, but yeah. So uh, that came that came up at the uh, something to wrestle with live today. Really? <laughs> yep. They talked about a video that they saw. <laughs> My goodness. Anyway, so yeah, I started out going to Killer Kowalski's shows, and there was a lot of talent out there that's unrecognized. But a lot of the talent that were around in those days would get on WWF TV. It was just as enhancement talent, and 
people say, you know, the handsome talent sometimes were better workers than the guys they were putting over. And I think this is the case in this case. Well, I will start off with the man known as Gorgeous Chris Duffy. Chris Duffy, you can look him up, put his name in on YouTube. You can find uh, a ton of WWF squash matches he did. He took this bump where he took a, uh, people take the hard way in. He took the hard way out. Fuck that. (laughs) So he would take that bump. He'd take that, I think, from uh, Fire Ferguson. All right. <laughs> he was the, that was the... Uh, was that Bastion Booger? Yes. Yeah. That was Bastion Booger's first gimmick in the WWF. It lasted one raw taping, and his one match, I think, was with Chris Duffy. But uh, this guy, um, you know, a great hand in the ring. He was always brought in for TVs around New England into, you know, New York, New Jersey, and stuff like that. But Chris Duffy on the Independence, he was the gorgeous Chris Duffy. He had this whole shtick where he would come out to, for some reason... He, this guy, he was just having fun. He came up to the Brady Bunch theme song. All right. <laughs> and he would get in the ring, and he would take the microphone, and he would sing Barry Manilow songs. All right. <laughs> and he has a terrible, or he had, he, he passed away. He had a terrible Boston accent, so he'd sing, We've been around forever. And I wrote the very first song. She is a terrible singer, <laughs> much like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he was a heel, and the you know the crowd would not enjoy his singing. And uh, also, he would, uh, for some reason, Mel Simons couldn't read his uh, index card properly, and he would announce him as Gorgeous Chris Fluffy. All right, why why would he do this? because it rhymes with Duffy, so you call him Fluffy Fluffy. He, I mean, he had a little bit of a gut on him, so you'd call him Fluffy, and he'd get very upset. I'm not Gorgeous Chris Fluffy. I'm Gorgeous Chris Duffy. Oh, kind of like, don't say, where's my pizza? Yes. <laughs> All right. I get it. <laughs> so, I mean, he had a lot of like, the shtick. Also, he's a very big baseball fan. He uh, did a lot of youth coaching in, in uh, baseball, so he'd come out, he'd do the... You know, if it was around, you know, playoff time, he'd come out with the Yankees cap on and, you know, give the fans. But he was a diehard Red Sox fan, but, you know, true heel, he'd come out with the <laughs> Yankees gear on. Did he have an I hate this town shirt on as well? I think that, that predates that. Oh, okay. This is the early 90s. This is before <laughs> that, that uh, became chic, <laughs> before Hot Topic probably existed. But uh, yeah, this guy, I mean, uh, I know. A guy like Maverick Wild, who's a veteran of New England, he would probably uh, agree with me uh, about Chris Duffy. He was just a, a tremendous talent, gone far too soon. He he passed away. I mean, I think it was still, it might have been the mid to late 90s. It, he passed away way too young, way too young, and he's a, a tremendous talent. So gorgeous Chris Duffy. Uh, go look him up on YouTube. You're not going to see a lot, I don't think, of the IWF stuff. I have so much stuff on tape that I want to try to get up. I'm I'm trying to figure out. I have access to some some stuff to be able <laughs> to be able to to be able to digitize footage. I have a ton of videotapes. Uh, you know, my gimmick back in the day was I would bring my dad's uh, video camera 
uh, you know, with you know the big, huge video camera that sits on your shoulder with the VHS tape you put in, and I would record all the IWF shows. So I have a ton of stuff that I would like to oh, get up. Some pretty valuable footage you probably have there, but yeah, uh, a lot of you know Triple H's first stuff and stuff like that. So, so Paul Levesque, if you're listening, <laughs> Mike Crockett is your man. That, that next Blu-ray, you can see I have plenty of footage. <laughs> if uh, just uh, you, you, you know, you could put you could put little Max through college, buddy, for the for the right price. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I shouldn't put this up on YouTube. I don't think for you free. should put it on YouTube. I think you should make a phone call. There you go. So I mean, this something probably uh, eventually it'll go up on the YouTube channel. By the way, I've been putting up recently on YouTube some of our interviews from the past. I put up uh, the interview with MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, and also Makazi this past week. I put up his interview that we did uh, just about a year ago now when we talked with Makazi, the costume designer now for WWE. So check that stuff out on YouTube. And like I said, probably more coming to YouTube. And while you're there, put in Chris Duffy because some great stuff. I mean, he's, you know, just doing jobs on WWF TV, but uh, one of the best uh, in New England, one of the best at making guys look good. Yeah, all right. I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar with him, so maybe I will do that myself. There you go. I mean, I know of I know of him. I don't really. I'm not too familiar with him. So, so my turn now, Mike. Yes. Okay. I don't know if you were done and want to stall your momentum. So no. no. Um, ironically, it's funny. The the guy I'm going to talk about here first. I just was in the ring with on Saturday night. Really? Yeah. Uh, he made a surprise, big surprise return. Um, but he's somebody who. When I think about the style that he has wrestled since the first time I ever saw him, which was probably 95, 96, somewhere in there, probably was really close to the time he started. And the way he wrestled then and the way he continued to wrestle and evolve and do things. Uh, and I would listen to people tell him that, what are you doing? You can't do that. You know, kind of with people with the old school mentality, because he, he was doing things that were very outside the box, things that he was getting from Japanese wrestling, Mexican wrestling, just fully consumed with with all these different styles of wrestling that he would take things from and add to his style. Uh, and I'm talking about Luis Ortiz, Demon Ortiz. Um, when I think about the current uh, wrestling climate now, I mean, so I mean, Luis Ortiz is how 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 tall is Luis? Five eight. Maybe something like that, yeah. You know, five eight, five ten, something, something like that. Not a particularly, not a particularly big guy. Um, and he, and he, unfortunately, the prime of his career was largely spent in the six two two forty era. Yep. Um, and his style, that style of wrestling, wasn't embraced largely for his entire career but when you watched him you knew something was special you knew and even still to this day you watch him and there's something special about him he's he he has this magnetic charisma about him when he's in the ring that you just can't take your eyes off of him plus combine that with the athleticism and just a different sort of move set different than anybody else uh, on the show and it really created this this super unique package and i remember going to these these independent shows and he was somebody who always just really stood out to me he stood about out head and shoulders above almost anybody else on the shows and he was one of the smaller guys on the show so when i think about i think about him and i think about the wrestling climate today i think i think uh lewis ortiz is a guy who would be doing very well for himself whether it's we're with wwe and slash nxt or ring of honor or new japan pro wrestling or if you know and he's still you know he's still wrestling here and there he just came back um saturday night after uh, after an injury um so i don't know how you know i don't know how long or how much he's doing but I, i wish the prime of his career was right now because he would be doing so well for himself in this current wrestling climate 
um, just super creative guy. He was always reinventing himself, always finding new ways, new moves, new looks, you know, all, all sorts of things. So uh, somebody I've shared the, the ring with countless amount of times and a guy who absolutely should have gotten uh, a bigger look than he did, and, and he certainly deserved more. But somebody who has made really significant contributions in this area, he's now teaching. Um, so um, happy to happy to see that. Happy to see him giving back. He's all every locker room that I've ever been in with him. Uh, he's always given back and tried to help guys. And and like I said, he thinks like like very few people think. Or and he was ahead of the curve with all this yeah. new style of wrestling. He was way ahead of it. He was. I mean, he he was starting to do this stuff in the mid to late '90s. Some of the some of the Japanese and Mexican influence that is pretty prevalent in the American style today. And you probably first saw him in NWA New England, where I first started refereeing, and you were first there as a fan, right? Yeah, that is, that's exactly where I first. Uh, he was in a in a group with a couple of other guys, Slick Wagner Brown and Jason Rage. They were like the Two K Club. Yep. And uh, um. You know, and thinner guy at that point. He yeah. had the little ponytail. Yeah, he had the the uh, the indie ponytail. Yes, top of the head ponytail. But he, even then, though, he really he really stood out. Like I I you know distinctly remember seeing him at those shows. I couldn't tell you much about any of those shows, but he was somebody who even then really stuck out, and he was really green at that point. One thing that I remember about him is that he had a hookup for gear in Mexico. So he would get, I mean, his gear was probably far ahead of the curve. And not only his uh, in ring wrestling, but the, the fact that his gear looked fantastic because he went and found a contact. He got a contact in Mexico, and, you know, those obviously awesome, beautifully designed. Uh, costumes that they would have in lucha libre so he had a contact down there and he got his gear made down there he always looked uh, fantastic of course he evolved to the face paint the 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 ornate masks that he wear the that he, that he makes he makes all that all like the masks and stuff he wears like like he's super just super talented super artistic and creative too i remember at one point he actually developed the and i, I never ultimately did it and it, it really had probably a lot to do with i couldn't have afforded to get the gear that he had designed yeah um but he really came up I, and i wish i could remember the name of the character but he really came up with like a whole like mast and like it was, it was really cool for you uh, yeah yeah he i mean he spent a lot of time on it and i i to this day i kind of feel guilty that i never used it or because it probably would have gotten over and, yeah you know but um and then I mean, at that point it's you know working for undercover wear right so. <laughs> <laughs> um low cash flow yeah i mean i was you know 20 something years old probably making 12 bucks an hour like yeah. you know i couldn't afford like a 600 hundred dollar set of gear type thing but yeah. anyways yeah just super creative guy super talented and uh somebody who who deserved to certainly have a shot yeah, and he, like I said, he's been around forever, and it's good to hear. He did kind of prematurely retire, and uh, apparently he was back this past Saturday night, so that's really good to hear that he's uh, still getting out there and uh, getting back in the ring, so fantastic. And uh, I talked about NWA New England, and that's where I kind of uh, started. I got my start. Uh, I went to Kowalski shows, and then I would actually get in the ring and referee first for NWA New England, and uh, rivals of the 2K club in NWA New England. Sure, I'll put over my boys. The Archangels. <laughs> Phoenix King, a.k.a. Steve King, and Damon D'Arcangelo, managed by... Look what I'm doing here, Mike. Uh, Look what I'm doing there, huh? That's the uh, <laughs> Archangels Hanson. It is. It is. So, uh, managed, All these years later. <laughs> yeah, so uh, managed by GQ John Rodeo. The two of them, uh, Steve, Phoenix King, and uh, Damon D'Arcangelo, really 
worked hard to look like a team, to be a team. In those days, you know, to get matching gear didn't happen all the time. I mean, gear wasn't as easy to come by, as I just mentioned with uh, Louis Ortiz. But they went the extra mile. They got matching gear, matching uh, vests. And they spent a lot of time in the ring coming up with, you know, tag team maneuvers. And uh, by evident the fact that you remember their hand signal <laughs> 20, 20 years 20 later, something years and later. they made an impression on you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Those are guys that the, another favorite of mine from going to those NWA New England shows were the Archangels. And it, it's funny, their look kind of inspired my look because they had the singlet top and they had the yes. the, the looser pants right um and and i distinctly remember when i get into wrestling like that's the look i want that's i liked i liked that look <laughs> that's that's wonderful i probably have never said that to you yeah no now. that's great but the, yeah like i said a they were a tag team in new england there weren't a lot of guys that went out and tried to be a tag team you know this guy's just they booked in a tag team match and of course they go out and have a tag team match but there are a few teams especially at that time that went out there and actively were out there to be a tag team exclusively no everybody's kind of out for them out for themselves so you can always tell when there's people who are in it and committed to it and 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 they and they and they certainly were and uh I think I, I think I I never wrestled Steve. Um, I think I only wrestled Damon and like, like he came to classes occasionally at the Chaotic Training Center mm-hmm. for a stretch. Um, so I think I only ever really locked up with him there. I don't think I ever worked with him. But again, uh, I mean, <laughs> truth be told, those NW New England shows were a little rough. Not everybody on the card was up to all, snuff. Yeah, but they were. I mean, they were they were fantastic in the ring too. I you know I remember again the guy. Those are guys that made an impression on me, uh, and guys that I liked. And again, twenty uh, something years later, I remember the stupid hand symbol or whatever. So what else you got there, Kingpin? We got the Archangels. We're talking about Louis Ortiz. Yeah, I mean we we got it's uh, been very uh, NWA New England <laughs> heavy right there. So why don't we go? Why don't we go one more from? And I, and I think I think he uh, was around in uh, in WA New England. Uh, he's been somebody who's been on this podcast, um, mm-hmm. and, and that that is the Golden Greek Alex Arion. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm going to be really biased here because he's a good friend of ours. Uh, I love Al very much. One of the best guys I think I've ever met in wrestling as a person. Um, but one of the best wrestlers I have ever wrestled. And I and I say that now having especially you've been this, places. I say in these last couple of years, I've wrestled a lot of really good wrestlers, and um, Alex Arion is still up there as far as some of the best, you know, best one of the best guys I've ever been in the ring with. Just an absolute technician can cut a promo. <laughs> like he, the only thing Al wasn't blessed with was size, and you're talking about again a guy who it really sucks the era that the prime of his career was in. He's much like much like Lewis, um, Al was a victim of the era he came up in. Yes, um, you exactly. know, if Al if Al was six inches taller, he would have had a job, and and shit, he might even been a top guy. Like like he's he's that good. Like and, and people around here know it. You know, but more people more people should should know how freaking good Alex Arion is. Um, I mean, just. Uh, I mean, any, any other thing, you know, just working with him too. The thing that he's good at. Not not only is he good in his own right, and that he's a he's a good worker, and he's a fantastic character and a fantastic promo. Um, he's good at pushing the guy he's working with to to push their limits, and and and, and he did it with me, working with me, pushed me to my limits, made me try things like taking a superplex. You know, <laughs> to, but it, it's just it's just that's the hallmark really of a 
talented person though too not only do they, is their game at, a, at an elite level but they're able to take the person that they are they are working with and also bring them to an elite level so um you know i know you'll probably have a few things here to say about al but i mean again another guy who i wish you know right now was in the prime of his career because he'd be making a ton of money right now he'd yeah. be he'd be he'd be traveling all over the world somewhere with a full-time job in wrestling and another thing that uh kind of stunk about uh Al's in career. He dealt with a lot of injuries. He did, in yeah. In his time. Uh, especially, I think about, you know, and then in New England, he uh, dealt with uh, something to do with his leg because I remember him walking around on crutches a whole lot. But uh, <laughs> uh, Alex, yeah, just uh, universally uh, admired here in New England uh, for everything that he's done in wrestling. And I mean, he never got, he'd actually appeared on Ring of Honor. He did work a Ring of Honor show uh, in Wakefield against Maverick Wild, the aforementioned Maverick Wild, and I don't think it went over well because I'm not sure that those two guys knew uh, the kind of show that they were dealing with with Ring of Honor. I mean, Ring of Honor at the time was uh, brand new. Spots. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of spots, and they went in and and worked a wrestling match, and it didn't uh, fit with the rest of the card. So I think they were unjustly kind of... Uh, poo-pooed for that <laughs> so uh alex never made another appearance in ring of honor but uh th- i think they missed the boat obviously a lot of people missed the boat on on alex and uh, i know we talked about steve bradley here with alex uh probably a year or two ago at this point uh, steve would always try to find a place for alex because he knew how good alex was as well yeah i mean it, it, again and the th- the thing with Al too, I mean, I mean, the only it's, it's he's one of those guys that he, the only era of pro wrestling he probably wouldn't have been like a big star in is, is the exact era that the prime of his career was in because yeah. it was again it, it was one game in town for for you know I think for a few years he, he probably he started when there was when there was three companies but mm-hmm. when he was probably ready to like take that next step in his career there's only one game in town. Uh, and they were only hiring people who were monsters and jacked and, you know, like I said, complete just victim of, of, of genetics, I, I think, because every, he has everything else you could ever want as a performer. You know, if you're unfamiliar, if you're hearing this and you're again, with like this, we can say the same about all these guys. If you're hearing this and you're unfamiliar with the guys that we're talking about, go out and look them up because you won't be disappointed. I, I, I promise you that. And, and I, I'm confident all these guys you'll come away with like, wow, Jesus, that person's really good. They, they did miss the boat on them. Yeah. And Alex, a uh, great guy. Saw him at Brian Fury's wedding, uh, doing well, having kids. <laughs> just doing that whole thing yeah. and uh, enjoying life so it's great to see that uh alex is doing well and uh he had that match with uh, brian fury yeah i'm gonna coax him out at least one more time yeah yeah absolutely i'll coax him out at some point to wrestle either wrestler tag with me at some point yeah all right i'll get him out i'll get and, and, and i know i know uh, i know his uh his lovely bride uh listens to this podcast yes so, uh you know so uh monique uh you know, I'm gonna drag him out at some point, even if it's kicking and screaming. <laughs> Get ready. Yeah, even if it's kicking and screaming, and we gotta, and we gotta, you know, we gotta lock you down for a second to get him away. I'm gonna do it. So. Take that gear out of the back of the closet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at some point, it's gonna happen. Just know that. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on from Alex, um, I want to talk about another wrestler, kind of from an earlier era, from the IWF the era. The designated hitter. 
not the designated hitter. Oh, oh sorry, Bruce. Oh, I probably blew his. Uh, we, that's probably you're saving that probably for last. Yeah, sorry. that's that's the main event. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> now I want to talk about a guy. We talked about guys that uh, were enhancement talent on WWF TV. This guy was also on WCW TV, and just a guy who, when you saw him wrestle, you're like, wow, this guy can fucking wrestle. <laughs> I, I, I was just kind of coming into this guy is. Uh... He's not my type of guy. <laughs> I don't know why that's stuck in my head. <laughs> but, but like, I mean, it's just coming into understanding what wrestling was all about at the time. And he was so absolutely smooth in the ring. He was just unbelievable. He went by Billy Pearl in WCW, but he was best known as Brian Walsh. And I know, uh, speaking of, uh, we spoke about Maverick Wild. I know. Maverick Wilde was trained, at least partially, by Brian Walsh. And Brian Walsh is a guy that you should really go out of your way to see. Again, put his name into the search on YouTube. You'll see a lot of matches he did for WWF TV. But he would come in and out of Killer Kowalski's IWF. And he was just a, a fantastic, so absolutely silky smooth in the ring. Uh, just an unbelievable talent that was... Uh, Widely unrecognized. I remember, though, you would hear uh, guys in the WWF locker room would really all want to work with Brian Walsh when when they were doing the superstars five-hour-long TV tapings with all these squash matches. Everyone would go out of their way. I know Chris Candido, for one, was a very big fan of Brian Walsh and wanted to work with him on TV. So Brian Walsh, a guy you will not hear a lot about, also known, he was in WCW. He made appearances on Nitro as Billy Pearl, a fantastic talent. And really, I mean, the, the definition of what this podcast is all about, just an unheralded talent that really people need to know about uh, from New England. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is a, uh, please go out there, take a look. God, are you old? A hidden, a hidden gem. Really, go out and check out Brian Walsh. He is something special and something that uh, not a lot of people know about. I know some people in New England, uh, a few people listen to this podcast right now will agree with me. A lot of people would be like, who's Brian Walsh? We'll go out, take a look. Uh, at Brian Walsh's stuff out, that's out there. There's not going to be a lot of it. A lot of it's just going to be, like I said, squash matches, but he went out there and gave 10,000% in these squash matches. Uh, really, just go out of your way to find uh, Brian Walsh slash Billy Pearl stuff out there. Brian Malonis, who else you got? All right, I'll shift Hidden ge- gems. Yeah, I'll, I'll, shift, I'll shift gears a little bit okay. here. I want to go to a non-wrestler. Really? Okay. Yeah, somebody, somebody that uh, we know well. Mm-hmm. Mike Crockett. I have Mike Crockett really on my list. Let me see your list. I have look at the number one name on that list. Number one. Look at that. With a bullet. Yes. Wow. So yeah, I mean I mean and, 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 and you're my buddy and we do this together. And and I've said this to you before, but I don't know if I maybe I've said it on this podcast before, but uh, when I think about referees that I that I have worked with over the years and the importance of that position in pro wrestling, um, there's two guys to me that that stick out um, above and beyond. And, and no offense, I've worked with some good refs too. And this, so this is not a slight against anybody else, but there's two guys that I have worked with consistently since the start of my career, and that's Todd Sinclair and that's you, Mike Crockett. And Todd has got got his break. 
uh, and you never got yours, and I think that's a, a shame because I think you are phenomenal at what you you do or did. I don't know. We <laughs> what are we saying at this point? Uh, well, it's extended hiatus. Is what we're saying. <laughs> yes, but I, I think I think I know why. Uh, I think I think you needed an opportunity and you needed a little more confidence in, in yourself. Maybe. Um, but I think you are certainly somebody who uh, should have had a full time job refereeing for for either WWE or Ring of Honor or Impact or somewhere on television I you know again I, I and I'm biased this is a complete biased thing I mean the two best referees I've ever worked with in my entire life and uh, Todd Sinclair and yourself I think one in one a you know when, when you when you ask me what do you have to say about yourself Mike <laughs> I could do it tomorrow Brian <laughs> put me in that ring all right well you're gonna blow up <laughs> yeah. Just blow to smithereens. Yeah, I, I you know, I, and I was almost going to lead off with it, but then we kind of, you know, I was like, all right, no, this is a good spot for it here. But uh, and I, and I really do mean this. this isn't just me because you're my buddy. I mean, but and it's tough. It's I think it's tough for fans to watch a referee and understand. Referees are more like, you know, if you see a bad one, right? <laughs> like, but if you see a good one, like, it, odds are you're not going to notice or. Remember it if you're a fan, but if you're believe me, if you're a performer in the ring, you know if you're working with a good referee. And, and I've been fortunate. I've been really, really lucky. I mean, we do have some really good ones in New England as well. Yeah. Uh, in general, but I've been really lucky that probably ninety percent of my wrestling matches of my career have been refereed by you or Todd. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky there. So threw a little curveball at you there, buddy. Well, thank you very much. I, I wish I could say that I had you on my list. No, I've broken out now, I know. Baby. That's what I was going to say. I'm a crossover star, too. Yeah. You're I'm mainstream. Under the bright lights. I've broken into popular culture. <laughs> you sure <have>. Mr. Inside <laughs> Edition. <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, well, uh, thank you. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, yeah, it just didn't happen for me, but... Uh, Thank you for the recognition. Hey, no problem, buddy. <laughs> Where do we go from here? I don't um, know. Do you, want me, do you want me to pick somebody else on my list here? I have other. I mean, do we want to do the obvious one? It's one we could probably... I'm sure he's on both of our lists. Sure. He's been on this podcast a million times. He's the de facto co-host or whatever. He's right. the uh, third man in. Uh, Brian Fury. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sure he's on your list. Mm-hmm. He's on my list. I mean, what can we say about Brian? I mean, Brian had a little bit of taste of it with the uh, top prospect tournament. Um, I think we all thought that. I thought we think we all thought he was going to win it, um, yeah, because they really told a nice story on on Ring of Honor television with it, with him and his career and being the veteran. And- yeah, and I th- and then I think we all thought it was going to lead to finally Brian getting that regular opportunity that that he has probably deserved for. A very long time, and it just didn't, and and that really sucks. Because um, I would love to be there right now, traveling up and down the roads with Brian Fury in Ring of Honor. But uh, he's retired now. For how long? Nobody knows. Remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> he's I mean, he's had fourteen comebacks already. So and he's um, a Shawn Michaels fan. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. But uh, yeah, if Shawn Michaels come back. Brian Fury can come back, right? Of course. But uh, Brian again, uh, absolutely fantastic talent. Um, you know, I mean, I think I think if I had to say one thing about Brian, you know, I, I think maybe, maybe if he fell short in one area, maybe it's in promos. Like, mm-hmm. but he, but his character in the ring was always intense. He certainly never lacked like character, but it was just when the promo, maybe the promo piece of it. But he even got better at that over yes. from the first time I met him until the end. Oh, yeah. Like he go, so he was. You're talking about a guy who was still improving at the end of his career. Yeah. Um, and I put that in quotation marks. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, Brian Fury, one of one of the one of the best talents uh, of this area in the last, you know, you know, I've been around now for 17 years, so one of the best that I've come across in, in my 17 years time. So uh, Brian deserved to have an opportunity somewhere. Again, another guy who, thankfully, he's giving back to the pro wrestling business, you know, and you and you see his students on television weekly. Um, so thankfully he's still giving back and finding ways to contribute to the pro wrestling industry, but deserved, deserved a better opportunity for, for himself. And obviously I agree. And like you said, I mean, probably the biggest, his name has ever been is, you know, the fact that Donovan Dijak or Dominic Dijakovic, every opportunity he gets, he puts over, you know, my trainer is Brian Fury. And he, he says, you know, he's gotten, he got the best training from uh, Brian Fury and his name's out there. His name's attached to Sasha Banks. I, d- I did a podcast where somebody thought he was my trainer. And I know he, our good friend, uh, Warbeard Hansen, the same thing happened to him. Really? So, so I mean, it's funny because like, you know, we're, we all essentially started at the same time. Yeah. Um, but you trained that, with each other. You, yeah. you were trainers together. <laughs> yes. But it, it's funny that his name is becoming so synonymous with training that, yeah, people because we came from this area assume that he trained us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that would, that would make him what like sixty years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's getting there. <laughs> he's up there. But uh, yeah, definitely Brian Fury is a guy that deserved a bigger shot, and he 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 was phasing down just the tail end of this whole independent explosion. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, truth be told, he's another guy who was a victim of, of the size thing. I mean, Brian's a bigger guy, but not, I mean, so, so like in real life, Brian Fury walks into a bar or something. I know that's an ox, you know, that's kind of an yeah. oxymoron because <laughs> Brian's straight edge, but you know, we talk, we joke about that. I actually joke about it with what's somebody else who might come up here in a few moments, but um, you know, in, in wrestling, you talk about like, I, I walk anywhere in society. I'm a big guy. I'm not just yeah. a big guy in wrestling. But you talk about some of the smaller guys in wrestling. You talk about like a Brian Fury who in wrestling, who was like an average size guy in wrestling, but he walks into like a bar or a restaurant or something. Like people, hey, this is a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he's six feet tall. He's 200 pounds. Like, he's a big guy. Like Louis Ortiz walks into any place. He's 5'8", like you said, or something yeah. like that. And But he just exudes something. Yeah. I mean, especially you know if he's wearing face paint or whatnot, <laughs> but he's like which, an attraction. He drove to the show in his gear and in face paint because he was a surprise appearance, and he came. He drove. He showed up right before you went to the ring. <laughs> amazing. So imagine if he got pulled over. <laughs> amazing. So yeah, I, I obviously I agree with you there. Uh, I knew we'd both have him on our list, <laughs> right? So uh, not in a similar vein, but uh, another guy that I want to bring up that I'm sure is not on your list. I'm sure he's not Is that on your he's list. He's from like 74 when you first started. No, no, no. He's from Chaotic Wrestling. His name is Arch Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, he's not on my list. I just think, I mean, like he he's lacking in, in uh, ring ability, wrestling ability slightly. Yeah, uh, but real as life personality. <laughs> but, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But as I? a wrestling personality, as a as an attraction, as a character. He was something completely unique. You cannot. You no, cannot I can't deny. I can, no, I can't deny his talent. I mean, I think he's an asshole, but <laughs> but but I I can't deny the man's um, talent with the with the microphone, talent as a persona, and and I think if WWE at that point cared about managers or something, I think maybe he probably could have broken in mm-hmm. as a manager. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think he lacked in the in ring. Depart, but I will say this about Arch. Arch worked extremely hard to get 
better. I mean, our trainer Mike Hollow talked many times about Arch having two left feet and all the things that Arch did um, in his in his time not in the ring to improve upon that and become better in the ring. But the thing that really obviously, I mean, we did that television show. Uh, no opportunity wasted, and other than the, you know, the gym rat there who was the subject of it, like Arch was the star, and because of his, he had this, ma- he has this magnetic charisma about him, uh, the manner he speaks. I mean, he sounds like an insane person, but it's like, what is this guy even talking about? Um, but yeah, I think as a manager, as a mouthpiece for somebody, like he would have been phenomenal. I mean, he was Dalton Castle ten years before Dalton Castle. I told, I actually said to Dalton, actually, it was, it was, it was, it was like Matt Taven and Bobby Cruz, and, and Dalton Castle was sitting next to us, and I said, he's Arch Kincaid. If Arch was a sane person, (laughs) 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 but definitely, I mean, he was around. There's a group of guys in that time in chaotic wrestling, your John Walters, your Arch Kincaid, your Vince Vicalos, who were always in that rotation going to WF TV and, you know, doing everything, but they just couldn't get over that hump to become a you know a contracted talent yeah i mean john walters is, a, is another guy i mean and i know we're probably getting deep into this here at this point uh yeah. i feel like we could talk about this forever right but john walters is another guy who if, if if you know you you take the time period that was his peak and you put it now john i mean and john did he broke he he was one of the original like ring of honor guys and yep. was the first pure wrestling champion but at a time before ring of honor was what it was now, or, right. or was what it is now. But uh, John Walters would certainly be a guy who who would be full time employed in pro wrestling today, if if this were the prime of his career. Just an unbelievable technician in the ring. Um, you know, I, I think John was a little personality, a little dry, but his wrestling skill could not be denied. But again, he was another victim of of size, um, and and somebody very outspoken as far as like during that time. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, I mean. I mean, I don't think it's any secret. It some of the time that John was there was pre-wellness policy in WWE, and John's somebody who's been very outspoken about. He was never going to compromise who he was and his beliefs to to get to like WWE or get or, or push his wrestling career further. He was either going to do it under his his way or or be happy not not getting there. So, kudos to him, I think, in that as well for sticking to his beliefs. And he did get some exposure on TV. He was part of very Lu- controversial Lucha Libre USA, uh, <laughs> which is a promotion that was on uh, MTV Two for a little while. And he was RJ Brewer, and he had a very uh, controversial gimmick. Uh, so, you know, something to do with he didn't want uh, you know Mexicans to come across the border. It was very controversial at the time. Still be controversial today. But he did get some exposure. He did get the uh, chance to uh, show a little more personality that maybe was lacking a little bit earlier on for John Walters. Now he's back in chaotic wrestling doing some shots. I don't know how long he's going to be around, but he is uh, back in the ring after a uh, long good, delay. And as good a shape as he's ever been in. Looks, yeah. looks phenomenal. A uh, little less hair than he, than he used to have. He's completely shaved it now. So, I, I mean, what, what are we at here, Mike? Do we want to do one more? What yeah, do we one do? more each. Okay. Well, I, well, I, I guess technically this is going to be two more each for me. Oh but, but I, I can't not mention uh, these guys because if you're telling the, my story in pro wrestling, uh, they're a pretty big part of it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, know, I know you know exactly where I'm going here. Um, and that's the Logan brothers, uh, Brian, uh, Brian and Matt Logan, um, who, when you, again, you talk about tag teams, talk about people committed to being tag teams. Uh, they were, and they're, and they're, <laughs> and they obviously they're brothers. But I, one thing I, I distinctly remember, and I, I don't know 
if you ever experienced it, but there was a handful of times going to TV as an extra where, you know, people would talk to you and find, oh, where are you from? Chaotic Wrestling. And, and inevitably, I can't tell you how many times, like, oh, that's where, like, the Logan Brothers are from, right? And they, they would come up, like, all the time. People loved them. I, I can't put my finger on why they, they never got a job. Um, they were certainly good enough. They're, they're certainly talented enough. I mean, the things they did in the ring were just, or still, and still do in the ring, or uh, you talk about Silky Smooth. Their teamwork was just right. uh, on on point. Um, obviously, <laughs> they took, you know, uh, they took advantage of having that chemistry of knowing each other their entire lives and being brothers, but just absolutely incredible talents who, you know, I, I mean, I, I know that at one point they had uh, an opportunity with Impact that didn't work out or was TNA at the time, and then they'd gone to TV a number of times. And, uh, you know, I can't put my finger on why it never fully worked out for them. I think they had a couple matches on, like, Sunday Night Heat or yeah. something. Um, but I think Chase said something on this podcast about how the three of them, they are, you know, collectively Chase Del Monte and the Logan Brothers, the uh, Mill City Hooligans, I think they said they didn't really actively seek out anything they were hoping people would come to them and it didn't quite work out i think that's what chase said in this podcast yeah i mean i don't think that's i mean i don't think that's all that different from a philosophy from a lot of us at the ctc right, exactly um that, that i think that's kind of the way we were trained not not to wait for the opportunity to come around for you but it was wait for wwe because um, yeah. that was the main focus and uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what it was at the time because they were the only game in town to make money. It wasn't, you got to understand the independent climate wasn't the same as it is now. And um, it would have been good, obviously, for all of us to get out there more and make a better name for ourselves. But, you know, at the same time, you know, there was only one place to make money. So unless you had a lot of disposable income to just go into bad debt to tra- drive around the country <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Um, but those guys, I mean, certainly good enough to have had a spot um again they're guys too i think about um and wrestling they're you know average size guys but in real life like they're good sized dudes but uh, and both of them as singular talents both extremely talented as well and and talk about nick logan nick yeah, logan third the third brother. brother was extremely talented as well yeah. like like that I, I i think he probably would have been good enough for the three of them to go to go together um to wwe or, or wherever so uh, a real shame they never got the uh, opportunity that they deserve but uh, again it just always stood out in my mind like every time we'd go to tv and somebody find out we're from chaotic wrestling oh the logan where the logan brothers are from so i thought that was always funny yeah and like you said just uh, i mean they're still doing it today in chaotic wrestling they are i mean not i mean they're they're winding down i think obviously and and you know they only really do chaotic wrestling and both still in great shape both still wrestling you know especially brian brian's and you know as good a shape maybe as he's ever been and great guys and uh I'm fortunate enough to wrestle them and you know, a number of times in a number of different capacities right. but uh yeah just you look at them and it's like man yeah I, I mean the thing the thing you know the funny thing of it is mike is you talk about all these talents and you talk about even like wwe or whatever and, and and the state they were in for a while and now it's obviously improved with the depth of their talent but WWE had a bit of a dry spell on producing talent for a long time. That's because they ignored yep. a lot of guys like this. And, and 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 we're just talking about guys that we know in New England. Now talk about, I'm sure there were guys in every region of the country like this who should have been there, good enough to be there, but because they didn't fit that cookie-cutter mold, they were looked over. It's just amazing the amount of talent that probably could have been something in wrestling that not just because, yeah, they had these blinders. They have this singular focus, and yeah, let's let's sign this six foot five, uncoordinated, untalented guy, and 
and try to train him for three years and release him before he ever even has a chance to get the TV. Just endless list yeah. of people. Meanwhile, Warbeard Hanson, a.k.a. Handsome Johnny, is working Elks Lodges on Friday nights when he should have been working Monday Night Raws on Monday. You yeah, know? AJ Styles gets signed at 40. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Unbelievable. So my final uh, hidden gem in independent wrestling, in New England wrestling, is a guy that he's actually signed to WWE. He is a WWE uh, contracted person. Oh, I think I, I think I think I might know where you're going with this. But one. he's not a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. He is a referee. We know him as Danny E. He is uh, officially known, uh, officially get that as a referee as Danilo Amphibio, which I have never called him Danilo. He's always <laughs> Dan or Danny to me, but. This guy, you see him every week on TV as a referee, but how'd they miss the boat on this guy? Just natural <laughs> charisma, just like funny in the ring, just unbelievably talented in so many ways in the ring. I just couldn't believe. I thought like they'd bring him down there as a referee. Okay, he's a smaller guy. They bring him down there as a referee, but they would realize that they have something here, and I still, I'm still i still holding out hope that he will end up being an in-ring <laughs> talent. But for now, he's a referee. But Danny E was just something special about that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think back to the... Do you remember the storyline with him and Big Rick Fuller where, <laughs> where Danny was funny because he was... I think I think he was legitimately afraid of people. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and Big Rick Fuller is, old, is a guy who worked for WCW in the, in the yep. waning days of the company. Six five, six six, two hundred and eighty pounds. Um, Most devastating chop you'll ever uh, <laughs> yes. hear or feel, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, freaking probably gave me heart palpitations when he did it. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> there was a storyline with Danny and his tag team partner at the time. They're called the Blowout Boys. Rick Fuller teamed with Darren Young, aka Fred Sampson, yep. who, in his own right at that point, was a monster. Yep. Um, much, much bigger guy. And I don't mean fat. Like, Fred was ripped, but he was probably like, again, 270, 280, mm-hmm. where now he's probably like 220. The owner of Chaotic Wrestling, former guest on this podcast, host of uh, For the Pops and Let the Cast Begin, Jamie Jemikowski. Yep. You're welcome for the plugs. <laughs> um, told Danny that. You know, we had this storyline where they were afraid of Fuller and Samson. He told them if they get their if they get their hands on you, they can do anything they want to you. <laughs> <laughs> so you could see the fear in Danny's eyes, and when they they did storylines where they would run away from them. Yep. And there's this one, there's this clip, <laughs> I, and I wish we could maybe we can even get it from the chaotic guys and 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 then show it. But we the, we, we where we had the hard cam and. Danny does like this leap over the top rope, and he's like almost like looking directly at the hard key. With like the fright in his eyes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, looks like a frightened child. <laughs> like, and it, it was so phenomenal. I mean, and he had a, a you know, here, here's some hidden gems. I don't know why. I mean, hey, Fury and, and the powers that be in chaotic wrestling, uh, you know, what are you doing? Why do you not have Danny E versus Mercedes KV, a.k.a. Sasha Banks, matches all over your YouTube right now? Because, <laughs> God, those were phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> and, Danny, I thought we were going to see something when 
there was a clip that was going around online uh, of after SmackDown, I believe, where the Usos ended up recruiting Danny uh, to help them out against, I forget who the opponents were, but it was a, a viral clip because, you know, it was uh, after Raw, so people had their phones out and recorded. Danny ended up, uh, you know, they took his shirt off. He ended up uh, super kicking with the uh, Usos, their opponents that night, and it was a huge thing, and it went around online, and I was like, okay, maybe something's happening here. Maybe something's happened here, but I found out that he really got in trouble for that. Of course he did. <laughs> he got in trouble for, uh, I mean, it was completely the Usos idea. They called it on the fly, said, you know, because they know, you know, he's a worker, and he's good at what he does, so they had him uh, do a super kick, and he got reamed out, and uh, really got in trouble. <laughs> I feel bad because I, I texted Danny after I saw that. I was like, oh, man, I hope this is the start of something. And, and uh, I kind of realized now why he didn't text me back because he was probably dealing with a, a boatload of shit over that. But just uh, they have to really realize that they've got a, like I said, the name of this podcast, a hidden gem on their hands. Uh, Dan McGuire, Danny E, also <laughs> known uh, his real name, Danilo Amphibio. Oh, man. He, I, when I first heard he was going down there as a referee, oh, man. I think he thought that too. I think he thought that you know, talking to him when he first got signed, yeah. I think that was his thought too. But I actually was able to catch up with him uh, very briefly. But um, uh, when I went to SmackDown with the fam uh, a couple months back, and he came out and they, they had, it was on if it was a commercial break or something, and he had spotted me and came over and talked to me for, uh, you know, it was, I think it was like a backstage segment and then a commercial and like they came back to a backstage segment. So I was actually able to talk to him for, you know, probably like five minutes and just catch up for a minute. So that was, that was pretty cool. And he's uh, doing well. Yeah. I mean, he's on TV every week. I think, you know, this, I mean, I'll let this kind of be a, be a lesson out there to the people in wrestling. There's lots of jobs in pro wrestling. If you love this business, you know, maybe your dream can kind of happen in a different sort of way. You know, there's, uh, but it, it, wrestling is, is an industry where there's no shortage of jobs in professional wrestling. So if you're not talented enough to, or you don't have the talent or skill set to be a pro wrestler, you can be a referee, you can be a manager, you can be a video production guy, you can be a producer, you can be a writer, you can be any of these, you know, I used to, I used to say it to, to people all the time when I was a trainer and it's like there's probably just as many six-figure jobs in Titan Tower as there is on the main roster. So, I mean, um, there's no shortage of jobs in professional wrestling if you truly love this business. And, and Danny's dream, I'm sure, was to be, you know, a pro wrestler and to, and to be in WWE as a wrestler. But at the same time, he gets to be on TV each and every week and he probably gets more you know more more camera time than a lot of the guys do it's just in a little slightly different fashion fucker took my job <laughs> <laughs> so not only was he a better better wrestler than you uh he also turned out to be a better referee than you, there you go. is that what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe all right we want your feedback folks uh, let us know what you think of this whole segment i really enjoyed talking about the unsung heroes in new england independent wrestling tweet us at the wpan on twitter with your take on the episode let us know use a hashtag wpan to clue us in on your thoughts on new england wrestling the hidden gems give us some of your hidden gems yeah we didn't even get to current people <laughs> no let us know what you think out there the other way you can let us know is through the voicemail line 401-584-9726 that's 401-584-wpan let us know about your new england hidden gems anything else you 
want to talk about, ask us a question, we will answer here. Let us know. 401-584-9726. Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, Doc Turner, twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays. New episodes are released on the feed. The feed is at mikemills.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out each and every week, twice a week, Booking the Territory. Another old school podcast you really want to check out is Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. They talk about wrestling from the past with a northern flavor to it. OVPpodcast.com is their website for more on OVP. Greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winson. He talks about one episode of wrestling television each and every week, puts his own special spin on it. There's only one Peter Winson, so you got to go and check out Greetings from Allentown. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Sal, all the rest over there at the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Stuff happening all week there, so be sure to check it out and subscribe. And it's time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, Brian, and you got dates. Yes, I do, Mike. This Friday night, I'm returning to Chaotic Wrestling in Woburn, Massachusetts. I'll be taking on the team of Killanova, Inc., Tripleicious the OG, and Christian Casanova, who was on my list, by the way, of hidden gems of current talent in, in New England. But I'll be beating his ass <laughs> this Friday night. There might be uh, another podcast coming up. Yeah, yeah. I, know, we, I think this might be. This, we could do a second part on this. Um, but go to catacrossing.com for full ticket and card information. One of the guys we talked about, John Walters, will be challenging JT Dunn for the heavyweight championship of Chaotic Wrestling. Uh, so, again, go to Chaotic Wrestling. Dot com. Then, Mike, next weekend, I'll be heading to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ring of Honor's international TV taping in Pittsburgh at Stage AE. Go to ROHWrestling.com for full ticket and card information. Do want to mention the very next day, Ring of Honor will be in Columbus. I won't be there, but my tag team partner, the Beer City Bruiser, will be in Survival of the Fittest and could earn himself a shot at the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight, or excuse me, the Ring of Honor World Championship. So uh, good luck to the Bruiser, but not too much luck. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, Mike, uh, the following week, during the week, Ring of Honor goes to the state of Maine for the first time ever. Amazing. How about that? Me and the Beer City Bruiser will be in action. That's right. The Bouncers will be in action. I know my match for Maine. You don't know the match for Maine. And I can't announce yet because it hasn't been announced on Ring of Honor's website. Although somewhere it's been announced because somebody mentioned it to me this weekend that I don't normally talk to. But I'm not going to spill the beans because I don't want to get in trouble. And I know Todd Sinclair listens to this podcast. Uh... <laughs> but then the very next night, Thursday, November the 8th, I'll be going to the Low Memorial Auditorium where Shawn Michaels lost his smile. But uh, I'll be returning there to perform once again alongside the Beer City Bruiser uh, for Ring of Honor's Global Wars Tour Night 2. So Night 1's in Lewis and Maine. Night 2 is in lovely Lowell, Massachusetts, the city I've wrestled more professional wrestling matches in than any other. Uh, so it's always good to return to the New England area with Ring of Honor. Uh, always very special. Uh, then, Mike, you're not going to like this, buddy. What's that? Uh, the week after that, I go to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> and then the week after that's my birthday november 22nd what are you getting me well what do you get me on november 4th november 4th who cares about november 4th 
I guess no, no kidding me. That's why I told Ring of Honor they couldn't put me on the Columbus show. I gotta be. I gotta be home for Mike Crockett's birthday. <laughs> Thank Maybe you. we'll do a big birthday episode for you, Mike. The birthday bash. <laughs> All right, we'll stop there, buddy. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be the holidays. I'm going to be on vacation. I'm going to be uh, rubbing elbows with Mickey Mouse. Ugh. Do we bring, we want to pick something up for the kid while I'm there? Sure. Why All not? right, I'll pick him up a onesie or something. He's what you say he's wearing six months now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll buy I'll buy something twelve months so he can wear it for a little bit. <laughs> he's a big boy. <laughs> so <if> you want- <laughs> That's your big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of big boys, to book the kingpin, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. It is promo about nothing time in the year is nineteen ninety-five. And uh in nineteen ninety-five a promotion existed. Speaking of Booking the territory earlier with Mike Mills, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yes, and at that time they were feuding with another promotion. There was an interpromotional no. war going on. Let me guess the Jim Cornette promo. No, it's not. Oh wow, wow! You had to, well, you must have to search hard for this one because he cut what seven promos a show. Jim Cornette doesn't have a promo about nothing, Brian. They're all good. <laughs> Okay. So, Smoky Mountain <laughs> Wrestling was feuding with the USWA, the United States Wrestling Association. We've had quite a number of uh, entries into the promo about nothing from the USWA, but this is from the Smoky Mountain side of things. And this promo, it is featuring Mark Curtis, a.k.a. Brian Hildebrand, who is a referee for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But for this one, he is a either a participant or he is... Uh, a manager, I guess maybe we'll find out. Also in this promo, Robert Gibson of the Rock and Roll Express, Tracy Smothers, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Buddy Landell, and for some reason, Pat Tanaka. All right. That's this week's promo about nothing. Take a listen. Louisville Gardens tonight, combat in a cage. Something you've never seen before. You're going to see the greatest collection of Smoky Mountain wrestlers. You got Rock and Roll Robert Gibson. You got the Nature Boy Buddy Landell. You have Tracy Smothers. You have Terry Gordy. You have Pat Tanaka. You have the Heavenly Bodies, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Gigolo Jimmy Delray, and you've got Bad Brad Armstrong all wrapped up together like you've never seen before. Tom about who? I tell you what, with a combination like that, hey, we can't lose. That's just our game. That's right. Yeah, well, well, tell them, bam, bam. Yeah, you know, brother, hey, hey, you know, I've been in 10,560 of these cage matches, and I've won every dadgum one of them. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got it, man. Hey, what we're talking about, tell them, bam, bam, you wasn't done, man. You hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 you know, when I get to Louisville, you know there's going to be some butt kick. And some names taken. You got it. Hey, what we're talking about here is we're talking about Bloody yeah, Sunday. Uh, we're talking about the night. And we're talking about the thugs. T is for terrible. H is for hell. U is for ugly. And G is for jail. Because a thug can't spell. That's what I think of the USWA. And that's what these outlaws think, man. Let me tell you something. Jerry, the queen lawyer, Bill, thinks he's a superstar, Dundee. And Tommy, wildflower, rich. And what is he? Dan Boer, Dan, Daisy, Doug Gilbert, whatever he calls it, rated G13, man. And Pat Tanaka is with us, too, man. He's the only one in the USWA. And Billy Jack, Billy Jack, you come out and interfere with my match, man. Or I don't want the Smoky Mountain Challenge against the USWA just a couple of weeks ago. And Pretty boy, prima donna, prime time. You want to stick your nose in the thugs business when you're playing. You're just, that's just our game, man. We're the outlaws. We're the thugs. We know what it's all about. 
on the USWA. Smoky Mountain Wrestling is what's hot. USWA is not, and I hate Louisville, Kentucky. So tonight, we're taking the USWA out, the thugs. Whew. Why is he bleeding? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Chase's brothers, this promo is bleeding profusely for the forehead. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> and he keeps throwing it to Bam Bam Gordy for some reason. <laughs> really? I, yeah, I don't understand. They have Bam Bam Gordy talk twice. And Buddy Landell, one of the better promos, I mean, definitely in this collection of people, he says absolutely nothing. He's just standing there. Pat Tanaka was sitting there, too, and they forgot about him until the very end. And apparently... Oh, we got Pat Tanaka. <laughs> so they're like, Pat Tanaka, oh, he's here with us. <laughs> they're yelling about the other team. Uh, this is like one, two, three, four, five, six. The heavenly bodies are on the other team as well. And so there's like, what is this, like 10 on 10? I don't know. Uh, do you know how many matches like this that uh, Bam Bam Gordy's been in, by the way? 10,620? Some, something like that. I mean, it's... Uh, Terry Gordy, this is 95 and 93. He actually overdosed on pain medication, slipped into a coma, and uh, he suffered uh, like permanent brain damage. And he was never the same after this coma that he was in. And <laughs> Tracy's mother says, no problem. Like, <laughs> shove the microphone in his face. And he says this one little line, which is okay. And then for some reason, I don't know, I understand the, the psychology behind taking the microphone from him and then saying you weren't done were you was that a rib yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a rib the question that your buddy asked i'm sure many times today conrad thompson <laughs> but i i don't know you got uh buddy landell just sitting there doing nothing mark curtis for some reason is front and center and just i mean one of the better promos, the, the probably the best. Pro- well, Tracy's mother's did okay. Yeah, he was. He's fired up. Certainly was. I'd be fired up too if I was bleeding that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but to pass, he probably passed out as soon as the uh, camera went dark. Was, was that the was that the booze, the pills, or the blood? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It could have been a combination of all three. Yeah, the the video here is entitled on YouTube is entitled possibly the drunkest and highest wrestling promo in history. <laughs> well, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know it particularly. I mean, you know, Terry Gordy is as Terry Gordy was at this point in his career. But, uh, I, yeah, I just don't understand why you go back to Terry Gordy after he, he gets out a, a coherent line and then go again, Terry <laughs> Gordy. I don't understand Tracy Smothers' uh, reasoning here. Why not give the microphone to a guy like the nature boy, Buddy Landell? Why not? But no. I like Tracy Smothers better than the FBI. <laughs> where's my pizza speaking exactly of uh, hey wildfire tommy rich is on the other team right wildflower because oh, right. you know that gets uh. over the queen jerry the queen <laughs> and then there's pat tanaka there's pat tanaka then there's pat tanaka <laughs> so you heard this promo about nothing if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the wpan.com it is the wpan.com all right kingpin we are back here next monday for episode 132 of the wrestling podcast about nothing till then he is the kingpin brian malonis i'm mike crockett big ups to mucko and thanks for nothing